Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements. Anything you could think of to support your outdoor activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members to get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with the founder of Flying Squirrels Outfitters, Brian Caraway. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, great being here. Thank you. Awesome. So, Brian, we've actually had, um, we've done a podcast interview in the, in the past, back in July of 2017, mm-hmm. and this is um, one of the first times uh, we've done a part two episode. Um, so for the listeners that may not have listened to the first episode, I'd love for you to kind of give a little bit of background on Flying Squirrel and um, sort of the ethos of the business. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's been a couple years, hasn't it? Um, so, yeah, we at our core, we're still the same. We're uh, uh, we are basically a, uh, a brand based in Chiang Mai, Thailand. We are uh, a specialty gear uh, and product manufacturer started out in hammocks and now kind of branching out. Um, into some other products and kind of what makes us unique is that um, we work with uh, local people stay at home seamstresses so women that can't otherwise work full time in a factory and so a lot of times in these communities uh, women get kind of taken advantage of by local manufacturers who come in and other women will take work for kind of pennies on the dollar and so we've come in and hired um, <clears throat> excuse me specific specific women um, that are uh, high skilled um, and still looking uh, for good quality work, and um, yeah, we hire them, pay them full benefits, um, and they produce great products for us. So we're more or less a social enterprise, uh, man- social enterprise manufacturer, uh, making hammocks, bags, a variety of hammock products, and so we kind of have the luxury of uh, designing and manufacturing all of our own all of our own product. We don't use any mass factory production; nothing comes from China. We source locally, manufacture locally. Um, we have a warehouse here in Chiang Mai and ship direct from here. So everything's very kind of in-house. So we yeah, really take pride on that. That's really awesome. Okay, so the last time we, we spoke um, on the podcast was in July of 2017. Um, uh-huh. You guys were still pretty small then. Um, what would you say has really changed between then and now? I think I think my realization that we we are this manufacturer and that we have the ability to really pivot into other products. Um, we have the benefit of making quick improvements on our products. Um, we engage with our customers very closely. We don't have uh, a lot of it is me really doing a lot of customer service, customer engagement, getting feedback, and I really 
um, I really value that input. And so we can like really iterate quickly um, into other products and kind of come up with other kind of niche creative products that maybe others would not be um, so daring to try. Like we have one, we have one uh, product called Basecamp. It's a 21 foot long hammock called the party hammock. We made it for a local music festival. Uh, we made three of them just to see uh, what the response would be. And we got like amazing feedback. You can fit about three people in it. Uh, just perfect setting at a music festival, of course. And then real, and then we ran an Indiegogo on it, funded it, um, about 250% of what we were asking and then realized, okay, we have something here. And, um, so I think, yeah, realizing that we, um, have the ability to kind of move into other products. I'm like, okay, there's something here. This is our value and everything is handmade. And I think people really care about where their products come from. They want to know where their products come from. And so our supply chain is just completely open, completely transparent. All, all of our team, they sign, the individual seamstress signs her name on the product packaging. You can see that. You can see Sumali if she made your hammock. You can see Sumali's picture on our website. So we, we keep it very wide open. I think people really appreciate that. So as a manufacturer, I think that's a huge advantage in realizing that fact. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the base camp hammock is pretty awesome. <laughs> We've been able to mess around with it for the last couple of weeks, and we're taking it camping this weekend. So, um, nice. anytime we bring it out, people are like, "That hammock is that hammock is awesome." <laughs> it gets attention every anywhere it goes. It's it's a it's a head turner, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I love it. Now, all right. So, obviously, in the last two years, things have expanded. What has it been like? operating and running a manufacturing business in thailand have you guys really run into any sort of roadblocks along along that journey yeah yeah quite a bit um a, a lot of things you know working here uh i can speak thai i the proficiency could certainly be better and that would certainly help with things too but my partner also speaks fluent thai and actually lives in the community where we where we manufacture um a lot of the roadblocks in terms of like, you know, expanding into new products, uh, we need to find sourcing different kinds of materials, getting them at a fair price and getting it consistent, consistently. I, you know, there's one thing to call China and say they're a lot more accommodating in terms of uh, the kind of little things you ask for a specific kind of material consistently. I mean, China's just automatic with that. Here, it's a little it's a little trickier unless I go and buy uh, you know, 10,000, 50,000 meters of a particular color of a, um, uh, of material that I'm just trying to test a new product with. That's a little more challenging. So I find myself a lot of times having to go to Bangkok, find these little kind of third party outlets that gets overstock. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot of legwork and just trying to Whereas I feel like if I could just pick up the phone and call China and I'd probably have some samples pretty quickly, um, it's just a lot more streamlined process. Where here, as we kind of like piecemeal it together, it it makes it a lot slower. It's a it's a lot more challenging, I think, in that way. Uh, communication issues are always a huge challenge. Uh, setting expectations with, um, you know. Uh, material providers and just getting kind of open communication is really challenging at times. Uh, but uh, roadblocks, yeah, every day there's there's always something new. Yeah, it's interesting. And at this point, how long have you been in Thailand? 
Me personally, I've been here. Um, Flying Squirrel's been going for about three, approaching three and a half years. I've been here for five years. I just came traveling, um, and then <laughs> I, 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 w- I still had a job back in Seattle. I was working at a at a tech company back home, and in Seattle. And so I, I got like a month off, traveled Thailand. Uh, you know. Americans, we don't really know what a gap year is. And so I come here, I meet all these Europeans and like, oh yeah, I'm on a gap year. I'm traveling for the next year or two. And I'm like, what? I never got to do that. I was like, I'm so (laughs) lost out on something. So I was like, okay, I'll take a year off and and go back. So I went back, I quit my job, sold off all my stuff and two two big backpacks. And I just, I headed to Thailand. And so came to Chiang Mai, kind of set up shop as like a home base. And I traveled all over Asia for the most part. Uh, and realize that, okay, like just life on the road is just not, not necessarily for me being in Chiang Mai, it's kind of an entrepreneurial hub. I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I just started, um, yeah, brainstorming different ideas. There's a lot of, uh, products here already. And I was like, okay, I can get into this. Maybe thinking on selling stuff on Amazon, realize that's not really where my heart is. And that wasn't going to be like kind of a fulfilling endeavor long-term. Um, and so Long story short, met my partner. He was already working with Hill Tribe Communities, making like woven hammocks. I came to him realizing, okay, we can develop our own products here. And we just kind of started from there. He was looking for more ways to bring in work. And I was basically looking for a way to come up with creative products without having to just, you know, buy the next thing somebody else is already selling, like on Amazon or whatever. I wanted to create our own. And so we found each other. It was very serendipitous. And then we just, yeah, we just, went from there. And I think one of the points uh, you're kind of touching on is the fact that with Flying Squirrel, you're doing more than just making money, right? It's the whole idea of it is around supporting women in Thailand. Um, And you probably wouldn't be working so hard on this if it was, like you said, just reselling another product on Amazon. Yeah, I think I realized what was going to be a fulfilling endeavor. And I, I, I think that's what really kind of struck me because there's a lot of people who, you know, the digital nomads who they have businesses online, they sell products online, they, they're the FBA sellers and like, which is awesome. And a lot of them are a lot more successful than, than I am doing what I'm doing here. But I think for me, I needed what I called like a positive purpose and what I was doing. And I, I feel like what I learned at like my old job is like kind of doing right by the customer and being transparent, kind of doing the right thing would be the fulfilling path for me. And I feel like anything kind of worth doing is difficult. And this is definitely very difficult, but absolutely. I think this is, this is my calling the kind of social impact social entrepreneur is, is what I am. And, and, it's what it's what drives me and gets me up in the morning every day and to yeah kind of inch along here but i think it's worth it and will continue to be i love that and did you was that a realization that happened over time or did you kind of just be like oh there's like an aha moment like all of a sudden we're like there's really kind of two ways in which i could do this um, it was, it was a gradual process for sure. You know, I was in Seattle, loved my job, loved my lifestyle. It was like Seattle was kind of, uh, it was great. And, and, and for what it was, I actually had a really bad shoulder problem. I had a, 
I had a torn um, torn ligament in my shoulder. They wanted to operate. I didn't want to operate. I had a good job with good benefits, so I started finding like alternative therapies and uh, went and actually started. I, I met this acupuncturist, and she worked on my shoulder. After like seven times of going through acupuncture treatment, it like cured it, like it removed all the acute pain and everything. I was just so blown away with this, and so you know, I asked her a lot of questions. She had um, studied acupuncture in India and she had traveled all over Asia and you know she kind of had the whole Buddhist uh, spiritual um, attitude going on. she was just really interesting and so she recommended a book and the book kind of led taught um, meditation and so I got into meditation for a while and and that's what really shifted for me I started to kind of reevaluate my values and what I was actually doing um, I did like my job, but it was kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm doing it ultimately for money and to feed this other lifestyle that like, okay, uh, I just started to feel a separation there. And I think then I started traveling on my own. I went to Costa Rica and then went to Thailand, and that's when it really started to click. I saw people that were kind of doing jobs, not getting rich or doing it for money. People who had social enterprise businesses, working in NGOs, nonprofit organization organizations, doing work that they were they believed in that brought them fulfillment, and you know, were doing some kind of good for people, the environment, and that. You know, my mom's a social worker, and so like I was kind of brought up like uh, with that kind of attitude, I guess, about trying to do some good, I guess, work that does some good. And so that was kind of instilled in me earlier on. The meditation just really started to shift things for me. Um, and then after that trip to Thailand and learning what a gap year was, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to step away from this, kind of reframe it all, travel, see what's next. I think a part of me knew that maybe I wasn't going to be coming back and that there was going to be something else down the road. And maybe that was also just kind of the, the hope as well, but, um, seek and you shall find. <laughs> what was the name of the book that you read? Uh, it was called breaking the habit of being yourself by Joe Dispenza. Interesting. I have to check that out and we'll link to it for anyone who wants to, uh, give it a read in the show notes. Yeah, it's, it, it takes a more like neurological scientific approach of basically kind of reprogramming your brain and the synaptic firings of like subconscious, uh, you know, reactionary behavior to certain things um, and, and leads into kind of like showing you how to meditate and basically rewiring your brain, breaking that habit of being who you are and kind of reprogramming your brain to program differently. And you can kind of have more control over that. So he, he's got a, another book called You Are the Placebo. It, Joe Dispenza, check him out. He's on YouTube. He gives tons of incredible, powerful speeches all over the world. He's kind of in right now. So Joe Dispenza, yeah, he's, he's worth listening to. I appreciate the, uh, um, the recommendation. Um, okay, so at this point, right. Flying Squirrel is a little over three years old. Um, you've been in Thailand for five years. Um, what's What's in store for the future for you and for Flying Squirrel? Um, 
Big question. Well, <clears throat> I think the one thing that now is kind of turned into a passion product, passion project, uh, we're coming up with some bag products, some reusable tote bags, sling bags. We got a whole bunch of designs coming out and we're going to brand these um, bags. We're going to call them no-no bags. So these are basically a way for people to combat single-use plastic bags. So living out I in Thailand, that. Southeast Asia, how inundated you are with single-use plastic. Um, I, I took a trip down to Bali. Um, I like to surf, grabbed a surfboard, went out into the water, and just felt, I, as I'm like kind of walking out there, I'm about waist deep, and I'm just feeling all these, what I thought were fish, hitting my legs and my feet. And I'm just like, oh, what is out here? And then you kind of just scoop up um, what you're walking into, and it was just tons and tons of plastic packaging, noodle packets a bottle it was just it was to me it was i couldn't i couldn't surf it was just it was too like toxic to be in but i came back on the beach and i just kind of sat there and just realized you know really kind of that like this is the reality of what's happening and 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 frankly this is not just bali this is probably everywhere uh and so that kind of shook me up i felt like okay i do believe product um can help people um, you know, make better decisions. I think a lot of times we're on Facebook, you kind of see, okay, this whale died because he was suffocated eating like 50 different plastic bags. Okay. That's upsetting. Um, you, you're kind of inundated with all this information. You're like, well, okay, what can I do? I'm trying to recycle. I think there's a lot of evidence to support recycling is, is not the answer either. For me, it's just absolute refusal and reduction of your consumption of, of, single-use plastic, at least, your, your big corporates, plastic bags, straws, and bottles. And so there's a lot of initiatives out here um, to kind of combat that. I'm, I'm kind of involved in some organizations, too, working on that. But for me, I think products provide a tool. And that tool, if you have it on you, gives you the ability to combat that. So I wanted to come up with no-no bags, so say no-no to plastic bags, um, to give you so that all the bags similar to our hammocks, they all pack up into a tiny little pouch. And so the idea is that you can more easily keep it on you, put it in your purse, keep it in your dashboard out here in Thailand, wrap it around your motorbike, your rear view mirror. Um, you just always have it on you. You don't have an excuse to take on that, that plastic. And so we just want to keep it more convenient. I gave my mom a, t um, a ton of bags before before we even had them in the little pouches and she she'd have them in her car but she'd always forget them and when i went home to visit last and she's still coming in the door with all these plastic bags i'm like mom i gave you all these bags and she's like yeah i know i always forget and so the, the pouch i thought was going to be a better an easier way to keep it on you and so that that's something really exciting we're getting into we're, we've also um partnered with a project um there's a big a corporation in Bangkok called PTT. They're basically a petroleum company, and that's where a lot of the gas stations are um, are owned by. And they have a corporate social responsibility program called Upcycling the Oceans Thailand, where they're literally cleaning up plastic bottles, your PET PET bottles, from the beaches, um, shredding them, breaking it down into like a, a fiber and then a yarn, and then weaving that into fabric. And so we actually won a design contest with our no-no bags. And uh, we kind of have this ongoing uh, contract with them manufacturing product for them more or less, but we're getting, we're getting to use this material. And so, so what's on the horizon is hopefully some bag and hammock products made from hundred percent upcycled plastic recovered from Thai beaches. And this I'm, I'm extremely excited about just because I, I just have a passion about 
what's happening with single use, the environment. Um, you know, when you're, when you're in Southeast Asia, I think it's more in your face. Um, you know, I, I, yeah. And so I, I just want to take it upon myself to try to do something that, you know, we can do with product. You know, I, I think it's super interesting, the fact that, uh, especially here in the States, so many people don't realize how bad single-use plastics are, just because, yeah. like, you don't really see it. Like, you obviously see it in cities and things like that, but it doesn't affect, at least to my knowledge, that many uh, beaches in, in the U.S., because it all somehow ends up in, um, based on the currents, right? It, a lot of it ends up in Thailand, Bali, other areas like that, and then there's the, the Pacific Garbage Patch or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. in the Pacific ocean. And like, I talked to so many people and so many people don't even know that that exists. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. It's and you know, actually a lot, it, it, it's really sad. It is sad. It was like, actually like I got choked up on that beach in Bali. It, it, it was just such an aha realization moment where like, I knew it was a problem. I've lived in Thailand like for four, four years up to that point, but it was just like, no, like it, it's like, we're, we need to bring attention to this each individual because i mean to wait around for corporations or governments to make decisions around it is, is pretty different yeah. Uh, yeah but there are some you know like the city of austin actually i think is completely zero plastic bag they're plastic bag free which is tremendous i think seattle just passed no straws so it, it is happening i think that is raising awareness but there is a massive de- separation i think from the consumer to the to their kind of end trash that they're creating and a lot of which, and as of recently, I think it was just last year where China was basically buying everybody's trash, Europe, America. Oh yeah. And yeah. And they were burning it or whatever. Right. That was the whole, well, they, well, they were turning it into a uh, other product. I mean, China's actually pretty resourceful with all that stuff. I'm sure a lot of it, I mean, China's like maybe number one, number two contributor of what actually ends up in the ocean, but they were buying everybody else's crap and plastics and turning it into stuff. But I'm sure there's a lot of waste because of that as well. So America just kind of put it on a container ship and, and it sailed away. So they never had to really worry about it. But now, um, that's not happening. They, they stopped because it was contaminated. It wasn't high enough quality plastics and garbage for them to deal with. And plus they have enough on their own, uh, within their own country, I'm sure. And so a lot of it now is getting shipped to Vietnam, Thailand, Thailand is just trying to pass some laws right now to where they're not just getting all this dumped on them so really it's even more imperative now for countries like america and 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 then in europe for to to, for the individual to take more responsibility to just absolutely just refuse it and reduce that intake altogether um and so i think products you know reusable water bottles straws if you need a straw and a reusable tote bag something quality we make all our bags the nono bags out of our our hammock material so it's incredibly strong durable hot nylon taffeta so that bag is going to last you i've had my bag the first one we made i've had it now for about i don't know a year and a half these have been in production for a or in development for a while. Um, but I, I think durability is going to be a component of sustainability. And so making a really tough, high quality bag is, and, and, and keeping it really, uh, conveniently designed so you can keep on you is I think a, a great, great first start for people. I, I agree completely. And I think, um, there needs to be a lot more awareness when it comes to one-use plastics. And then to take it a step further, like just packaging of products, right? You yeah. know, we live in a world, especially in the U.S., 
where we get everything shipped to us, right? In two days, like yeah. Amazon. And yeah. I just think about the waste when it comes to buying a product shows up in a box 10 times the size of the product <laughs> with a bunch of stuff filled in to like make sure it doesn't move around. Yeah, It's all of those things and like just being more aware and conscious of it. And I love the idea of, of the bags, the reusable bags that you can just use when you're going to the grocery store or just moving things. It just like it, oh. it makes it so it's such, it's a smarter way of doing it. Um, and I, yeah. love that. I think, um, I think people are slowly going to get onto that bandwagon. <laughs> And have already been so. I, I think there's definitely a consciousness shift happening. And obviously that takes some time. But I, I think another thing with these bags, too, is we're, we're actually sourcing some local, like, kind of tribal material at these local Asian markets. And again, that's another challenge where I, I can't always get the same thing consistently. But we're trying to make them a little more stylish to make them a little more appealing because, I mean, you know, reusable bags have been around for a while. Uh, some that pack up. I mean, you've, you've, there's there's some popular brands in the states right now that that are great companies and do do good things. And so I I think we're trying to find new ways to make it more, you know, under our under our branding. Kind of the fact that we're in Thailand, we use these local materials to kind of make it a little more attractive. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe that'll help people keep it keep it on them more. Yeah, well, we can uh, we can only hope and see where it goes uh, going forward. But I I love the the mission behind it, and I can just hear how excited you are just talking about it. Um, and I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, kind of sharing an update on you know how things are going with Flying Squirrel, and you know the things that you guys have going on in the future. And uh, I did want to mention for anyone listening to this, uh, before the twenty eighth of May, you can actually enter to win a base camp hammock from Flying <laughs> Squirrel, which is that giant. Uh, hammock that they offer that you can fit up to three people on it's perfect for um any sort of festivals or really even just camping with a group of people and wanting to just hang out in nature um so if you're interested you can head over to red yeti um for a chance to win and with that brian i really appreciate you coming on the podcast and um you know really updating us on all the things that's going on with uh, flying squirrel yeah thanks josh great great being here appreciate it If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Yeti Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.